Hi, this is David Davis from Train Signal, vSphere video training author. And I'm Simon Seagrave from techhead.co.uk. And this is our first vChat. Um, we're excited to be talking today about the new VMware vSphere version 4.1. Um, Simon, you want to start off by talking about one of the features about vSphere 4.1 that you like? Yeah, well, what we thought we'd do, I mean, this is quite exciting, this this release here. Um, there's a number of really exciting features uh, that I think you'll agree that have been released in this. There's some, some major ones that I think affect the vast majority of people who are running vSphere out there. But there are also a number of sort of more smaller, I guess, subtle features that uh, may not affect everyone, but uh, for some people we may find very useful. So, um, yeah, what we've done, we've gone through and made a, well, top 15 list of uh, favorite features. Well, it was going to be a top 10, but uh, there were too many good features so uh, to, to, to exclude any. So um, we've, we've knocked one or two out. But uh, So we'll work through the list. I mean, if we kick off with the, um, the areas of uh, installation and deployment, for example. So uh, one new feature there that really stood out for me, I, um, well, not didn't stand out, but for, for a change that, 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 that's going to affect a lot of people is around the um, downloading or accessing of the vSphere client. I mean, traditionally, you know, I mean, what, what we normally do would actually, when we first install our ESX host, for example, uh, you would point your browser at the IP address or the name of the ESX host. Uh, then from there, that would bring up a web page, and then from there, you could download the um, vSphere clients. Now, that's changed with 4.1. So how that's changed is that rather than downloading the client off the ESX host now, when you click the download button, it will actually send you out to the VMware site out on the Internet to download the uh, client directly from there. So I guess uh, that's, that's kind of cool in a couple of aspects. Um, one being, you know, you're always going to be bringing down the latest piece for your client. Um, you know, in theory, you should be keeping your ESX host to state up to date. Uh, but not everyone has that luxury for one reason or another. So uh, th this way here, it's not, it's not a biggie, but um, it, it's a difference that is going to affect most people out there. Yeah, that's a good point. I think that's, you know, something we should point out because that's just been the standard instructions in the past. Just go to the ESX server, and that's where you would download it, and you don't need Internet access or anything. It's just on the host. But now you need Internet, internet access. It's going to go out and pull it down. So... That's cool. Um, something for ad admins to note. You know, another one I noticed is the scripted installation of ESXi. I thought that was pretty cool that you can now script installations, and I think it would be cool to do mass, you know, deployments of ESXi with a new scripted installation. I've heard that you can do that with the Ultimate Deployment Appliance uh, in the past, but I haven't tried it myself. But now it's an officially supported thing from VMware. Yeah, I mean, that seemed pretty cool. It sounds, uh, by the sounds of things, you can deploy it um, either using a CD-ROM or DVD drive or over the network using uh, Pixie. Um, but one thing to point out uh, that we both read on there, um, uh, on, on the release notes there, that you can't actually uh, use scripts and installations to deploy SXI out to a USB device at all. So that's, that's, that's an important note. Good point. Good point. Um, if we move on down to storage, you know, there's a lot of new storage performance statistics, they say, that uh, are going to be in the new version. And that kind of goes along with the new storage I.O. control. There's been a YouTube video circulated uh, ahead of time before the release that um, most everyone has seen about how you can use uh, shares to um, allocate the, the resources of your storage and sort of control the I.O. And it sounds like these new storage statistics kind of go along with that to help you keep track of what's going um, what's going on with your storage. It even goes down into the VMDK uh, level to give you greater insight. Yeah, that, that, that's incredible. I mean, storage I.O. control, I think, is going to be a big one. That's one of the big 
big sort of headline um, uh, announcements for, for 4.1. Um, definitely. I mean, it, it uses the principles of, uh, you know, the shares and limits that perhaps we're familiar with uh, traditionally around memory uh, in, a, in an ESX state. Uh, so yeah, I think that's going to have a, a lot of application for a lot of lot of companies and um, virtualization administrators out there. So um, yeah, I mean uh, another thing we saw around the area of storage as well is now 4.1 uh, has support or official support for eight gigabit um, fiber channel support. So uh, obviously a lot of four gigabit um, uh, installations out there, uh, but uh, obviously things move on. Eight gigabits is is definitely becoming more mainstream now. So that's good to see that drops in there as well. Uh, so all, all, all you guys out there and guys and girls, I guess, uh, who, who uh, are either storage administrators or, or, or virtualization administrators, um, that, that's definitely one that could affect you when you're considering uh, purchasing new um, uh, fiber-based storage. Yeah, it sounds like it's time to upgrade the SAN. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the, the next one I noticed, you know, also related to I.O. control is network I.O. control. Um, it says that you can only use it with the vSphere distributed switch, uh, but I think it's a really cool feature that you can, uh, like you said, allocate shares and, and uh, resources to uh, your network. Um, you can balance the load between vMotions and virtual machines and the service console, uh, fault tolerance traffic and IP storage traffic with this new network I.O. control feature. Yeah, that, that seemed like a, I mean, that's up there, in, in my opinion, with the storage I.O. control. I mean, the fact that you can sort of uh, sort of partition the traffic um, on the physical network, or at least the bandwidth on there, between, like you say, those different types of traffic, um, I, th I think that's, that's a very nice feature. And it also is another compelling case for a lot of companies out there to start seriously considering uh, the distributed switch if they haven't already done so. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's definitely a very good feature. Actually, one thing that uh, I guess another really, uh, really good feature uh, for, for around storage would be the, um, the announcement or the introduction of uh, VAAI as well. Um, that's definitely going to be uh, pr pretty high on a lot of people's lists out there. I guess we're, um, for, for anyone out there who doesn't know what VAAI is, I mean, it's, it's quite an exciting new technology. Um, Especially sort of in, in anything from medium to larger size environments. So um, yeah, that, so so VAI uh, stands for V Storage API for Array Integration. So I've got to remember that. That's quite a that's quite a, <laughs> a tongue twister there. But uh, with VAI, um, it gives a number of um, new features and abilities. I mean, I, I can just cover a couple here that I, I can remember. I mean, one that really stood out for me is the hard, hardware offload locking. So. As you probably know at the moment, uh, when there's sort of updates or, or, or meta updates to, um, to a, a VM, for a very split second or microseconds, uh, that LUN on which the VM is residing or running on uh, will be locked whilst that update's made. Now, the implication of this, obviously, is that um, if you've got a LUN with a large number of uh, VMs running on there, the chances of that LUN being locked obviously increases with the amount of VMs that you add on there. So what hardware offload locking does it stops uh, locking at a LUN level and means that when these ups, updates are done, it, it, the, the locking is done at a block level as opposed to a LUN level. So um, I guess the, uh, the, the, the implication of that is you could now potentially run, uh, well, comfortably, or at least with peace of mind, a lot more VMs on a particular LUN than you could perhaps traditionally. Uh, so that's, that's quite an exciting one there. Absolutely. I, I, you know, I love any software features that allow you to do more and get more performance out of the existing hardware that you have already. 
Um, and the other thing I heard about VAAI is that uh, there's going to be, you know, uh, performance enhancements or tremendous performance enhancements for V-Motion. You know, a V-Motion before might have taken five minutes, and now it's going to take something crazy like 30 seconds. So um, that's really exciting. I know that VAAI is going to be in uh, latest, the, the latest firmware versions of some of the um, SAN products uh, out there by a number of different vendors. Um, another API that's out there is the VADP, uh, the vStorage API for data protection, which I know a number of the backup vendors like Veeam are using to uh, quiesce Microsoft virtual machines to ensure application-consistent backups. So uh, yeah, a number of cool APIs out there. Yeah, that is pretty good. I mean, yeah, I, I just just to touch on your earlier point there. Um, yeah, I mean, a, a lot of the storage vendors out there will be bringing out VAI support uh, on day one. Uh, not every storage vendor will be uh, providing support for VAI, but it's definitely something that we can expect to see over time uh, more and more of the storage vendors. Um, and um, the good point around it, it means that uh, you don't necessarily need to buy new hardware. You can retrofit uh, rather through the use of sort of firmware updates or, um, in the case of, for example, a VMC uh, Clarion, uh, flare updates. So um, I know there is a new flare update coming for EMC around Clarion that will enable uh, existing hardware to uh, work with the AAI. So that's, that's quite exciting. Very cool. I hope that that trickles down to the, the lower-end SAN equipment over time and potentially even to the, the virtual storage appliances, although I don't know if that will ever happen, but I think it would be really cool. So uh, something um, we can expect to see maybe on our, uh, our iAmigas in our uh, home labs here perhaps. <laughs> maybe I one day. So. That would be, yeah, that would be nice. Um, you want to move on down the list to the management section, and let's talk about the vCenter converter uh, Hyper-V import. It seems, yeah. seems like a good marketing um, marketing feature there. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely a, a, an interesting one there. Um, yeah, I mean, if you're going to bring anyone aboard or uh, sort of get anyone to convert across from Hyper-V, uh, the best thing you can do is actually make it easy. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's definitely a very uh, interesting new feature there. Um, definitely thought up by the marketing team. Yeah. Now, what, are your, what are your thoughts um, on this? Well, you know, I like any converter tools, tools that you can move from one platform to another, and it just makes perfect sense for VMware to be able to import Hyper-V virtual machines. Um, I, yeah. And what would be super cool to me is to be able to, to move powered-on virtual machines, and uh, I believe that that's what they're moving with here is, is to be able to move Hyper-V powered-on virtual machines. I think that would be really cool. Yeah, that would, um, that, that would be good. Because, I mean, there's going to be more and more environments that are out there, I think, over time that will be running, um, uh, you know, uh, mixed environments, whether that be, you know, a, a Zen, Zen, you know, Zen server farm um, uh, next to, uh, you know, uh, a vSphere next to a Hyper-V, uh, you know, uh, environment. I mean, if, you could, if it's nice and easy to move VMs between there, I mean, I, I think that's going to benefit a lot of people and a lot of companies. And that would be quite a popular move as well. Because I think for a lot of companies out there that haven't potentially um, – uh, maybe converted a large amount of their estate at the moment so far, or maybe just out there kicking the tires of a, a, a few of these different virtualization projects. Um, I mean, this this is a good thing. So they can try out a few, and the great thing is they're not basically tying themselves into a particular vendor. Uh, the fact that they could move it, for example, from Hyper-V into vSphere very, very easily. Um, and also as well, I mean, as you know, a lot of companies as well, especially larger companies, they, you know, 
you'll have the IT department, but then you'll have a development team somewhere, and they'll go off on one, and they'll install their own virtual environment. So depending on what their preferences or, or, or what access to software they have, you know. So quite often there, you, you'll find off they'll, they'll go off on, you know, installing a different hypervisor to the, to the IT department. So, so you know, when those uh, development projects go go production, which invariably they do quite often, I mean, this is also another case where, you know, it's easy to um, bring everything back to a, I guess, a more unified approach to the virtualization. That's right. We can assimilate the Microsoft people into the VMware collective. I, I like that um, new <laughs> that feature. Works. Yeah, so there's a lot of new features in here. Let's let's move on down. Let's talk about the platform enhancements. Um, there's some new DRS affinity rules that I thought were really cool because um, one of the things I was trying to do the other day was to pin a virtual machine to a spe specific ESX server. And I found out very quickly um, the only way to do that is actually to put it on an ESX server and then you disable DRS completely on that virtual machine and it just stays there. Um, even though it might be part of the DRS cluster, you can't, it just has to be disabled to keep it on a host. So there's some new rules, some new enhancements in um, vSphere 4.1 where you can uh, create what they call host affinity. So you can say you want this group of virtual machines or this virtual machine to stay on a specific ESX server. Um, so I think that that's something that's uh, going to be important to a lot of people who use DRS. Yeah, that, that's that's a biggie for, for for me. I think that's uh, maybe maybe not quite as high as uh, the, the storage I/O and the network I/O control, but that's no. <laughs> that's that's quite an important one, and that, and that that will have a lot of implications for people out there, definitely. So, yeah. So that's a good one. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, looking down the list here, another another one which I think uh, a lot of people find uh, quite interesting is is around the memory compression. So uh, memory compression, that's, uh, that's uh, as you know, at the moment, if, if you don't have enough uh, physical memory in your ESX host, at some point after, you know, trying ballooning or what have you, um, it will get to the point whereby the ESX host will start um, uh, paging out to disk. Now, uh, traditionally, it, it will change in time, no doubt, with the introduction of uh, SSDs and EFDs. But for now... Um, these page files will be written down to the slower sort of spindle type technology. Um, so, so what memory compression is basically, if you can imagine, as a, it's sort of like a halfway mark almost. Um, obviously, it's it's not as fast as memory um, with this compression because it's obviously got a compression algorithm with it. So, when it's got this excess memory, rather than write it down to disk, what it does, it will actually compress it and keep it in memory. And then when it needs to be accessed again, obviously, it then expands it and, 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 and puts it back again. So as you can imagine, because that's happening in memory, that's going to be a lot quicker than actually writing down um, uh, pages down down to a uh, physical spindle disk. So um, so that's, that's quite a nice new feature there. And uh, once again, that, that setting there, the memory compression, if you go into ESX top or RESX top um, and into the press M, go into the memory section, uh, you will see a new line at the top there that talks about the uh, any, any memory compression you may have happening on that ESX host. So uh, that gives you good visibility into the sort of benefits you're receiving from, from this new uh, feature in 4.1. That's, that's cool. Very cool. It's, it sounds like a WinZip for VMware. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But a lot better. Yeah. So um, so there's some new vMotion enhancements. I was reading about how we'll now be able to run up to eight um, concurrent vMotions at one time, um, and also a lot of performance enhancements just related to vMotion, I guess, to allow us to do that. And, um, and then you were telling me there's even some special super secret tweaks on how to get <laughs> even more than eight 
Concurrently. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't think I don't know how super secret they are, but they, I've been told there are some sort of uh, tweaks that you can do um, that will allow you to do more than eight. But obviously, that's got real implication if depending on the uh, the speed of the network you're running over. But obviously, with the introduction yeah. of um, 10 giggy uh, networks that will be coming in uh, and becoming more prevalent over the next sort of year to 18 months, uh, obviously with that extra bandwidth capacity that you're now going to have, um, that that makes that all more of a reality. Yeah, so under performance enhancements, got some great new features there. Um, I definitely think the V Motion that's that's a biggie as well. For for me, that's a, that that's probably a a, a top five feature uh, for full one. Absolutely. Uh, another one that I liked is the ESX and ESXi Active Directory uh, integration for the local ESX or ESXi server. And um, I'm interested in this because I actually uh, tested it myself and I created a video that I'm releasing tomorrow on how to do this. Um, and what I found out that it provides is um, authentication using your Windows username and password, of course, when you connect to an ESX or ESXi server directly with the vSphere client, and then also on the console of that server, and then also using SSH. So if you connect to a host using SSH, you just log in with your Windows username and password. And, of course, it puts that in the security log. Um, so I think in Windows shops especially, um, maybe where they were never real comfortable with the um, Linux-based you know, service console to begin with, um, Windows Active Directory integration and making the server a member of the domain so it will be listed in the, the Windows server list um, in Active Directory I think will make them happy. Yeah. Um, you can also configure all these ESX servers to do this or, or to use this configuration using host profiles to roll it out across the board in, in kind of one sweep. So another one got on the list here. Now, this is an interesting one, so I'd love to get your take on this. So this is configuring USB devices pass-through from an ESX or ESXi host to a virtual machine. Now, that's an interesting one. Um, now, I totally get that, why you'd want to do that potentially. Uh, maybe, for example, a software dongle. Uh, gone are the days right. when you used to um, have your sort of high-priced dongles, uh, sorry, um, software packages, and you used to protect it by putting a, a, a dongle into the parallel port. Now, obviously, over time, that's moved to USB ports. Though, obviously, we moved on now to a virtualized environments where you could have a VM that could move potentially between physical uh, hosts. So um, a lot of software companies out there are now changing to sort of other mechanisms, such as software-based dongles, things like that. But for me, this is where I could sort of see this application applying. Um, now, what, what is interesting, actually, if, if uh, that, that uh, ESX mentioned in their uh, release notes here on 4.1, is that you can vMotion with, with this ESX device pass-through. You can still vMotion to migrate a virtual machine that has connected USB devices. So this is something we talked about before and, and a little bit earlier, wasn't it? And, um, yeah, I, I don't quite understand how that would work. Uh, so if you've got an ESX host, physical ESX host with a USB uh, device plugged into it, now if that VM that's running on there that you've done password, uh, pass-through to gets moved off to another physical ESX host, well, that new physical ESX host isn't going to have that same USB device plugged into it. So I don't quite get how that's going to work. I may be missing yeah, something. Yeah, it is, you know... Yeah, it is perplexing. I mean, because, you know, vMotion's always not been compatible with connected physical CD or DVD drives. It's also not compatible with uh, pass-through, which has been there, um, what, since the last release. We have uh, device pass-through, and you could even do it with USB. Um, but now what they're saying is that 
even if you use vMotion with this USB pass-through, the USB moves with it, which uh, reminds me of this uh, virtual machine serial ports over the network feature um, where you can connect a serial port uh, from a physical server to a virtual machine um, they're using the same type of technology to do this USB over the network kind of thing that they're doing with the serial port over the network. So it'll be interesting to test that out and see how, you know, real companies use that uh, in production to virtualize maybe virtual machines, like you said, that have these expensive uh, USB dongles. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be an interesting one. So I look forward to finding out a little bit more around that. So, I mean, I think that's the, that's the end of our list now. Um, so that's our top 15-ish um, top new features <laughs> found in 4.1. Um, so, so, David, if you were to go back through, what, what would you pick out as your sort of maybe top top two new features out of that list? Well, I mean, you know, it's it's hard because I've been really impressed that VMware, I counted, is releasing 34 new features in vSphere 4.1. And, um, you know, usually it's just a bunch of bug fixes in a, in a point one release. Um, and here they have the new I.O. features, uh, like storage I.O. and network I.O. Are, are probably the biggest biggest deal on this list. Um, and then, you know, I think the APIs, like you mentioned, uh, VAAI and VADP, APIs like that that allow third-party vendors, like the, the storage vendors, uh, to do so much more and to really, um, you know, increase the performance, you know, 20-fold or whatever it is, of existing um, virtual infrastructures, I think those have to be my my top favorite features from vSphere 4.1. No, I, I agree with you. What a, definitely, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I guess, well, my, my, my top couple of favorite features would definitely be the storage I.O. control. I think that's very cool. VAAI definitely goes without a doubt. Um, I know there's a lot of excitement internal to uh, where I work at the moment, EMC, uh, around that feature. I know that's a very uh, a lot of people internally are excited about that one. Uh, I've actually seen it demonstrated as well, um, and actually had a had the opportunity before now to have a quick play around in the labs with it, and uh, I've definitely been very impressed with that. Um, I mean, other other stuff as well. I think another big one is the DRS um, virtual machine host affinity rules. I think that's 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 a slick new feature. That's that's particularly good. So uh, I, I guess they're my main ones, and and uh, I guess the last one would be network I/O control as well. So uh, they they would be my top what's that three four top four features. <laughs> cool. Well, well, very cool. Um, you know, this has been a lot of fun uh, talking about the new vSphere 4.1. Um, I really appreciate your time, Simon. Um, of course, Simon's website is techhead.co.uk, and um, my website is vmwarevideos.com. And, you know, thanks for watching the, the first ever um, VChat uh, sponsored by TrainSignal. Excellent. I look forward to uh, uh, seeing the future ones and maybe hopefully being part of them as well. Absolutely. Thanks, you, thanks very much, Simon. Thanks a lot, David.